because that's a first thought that you say, I can't mm -hmm. afford that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no. And then money-based decisions don't serve you. You know, the decisions from the heart serves you best. And that's the true fact. That's good. So I got certified to become a passion test facilitator. And it was the best decision I ever made because I really got clear and I really now focus and say, and again, those two questions, does it serve me? And does it take me closer to my goal? Because I have to answer yes to those. And I know when I am working with my passion, passions only feel right. When I'm working with the heart, it only feels right. My head is full of false beliefs, ideas, and concepts. So learn and speak with your heart and not from the head. Be sure to listen to this intro, just this short intro, all the way to the end because there is very important information you need to know about this episode before you get into it. Today, I had the pleasure of talking with Heather Mahoney. She is a life coach who is a facilitator of the Passion Test. And we talk about what the Passion Test is, how it applies to your life, your decisions, the direction that you go in your life, and the difference between patterns and passions. Very interesting conversation in conjunction with Heather breaks down how she built her business from the ground up, cashing in her 401k, going all in, and how that all worked out. This is an amazing episode. I'm super excited for you to hear it. This is the important thing you need to know. Again, important thing you need to know. You may need to slow down on your listening device this conversation. The conversation was recorded and is edited in a faster cadence. I'm testing out some things. So if you find the conversation is a little fast for you to follow, be sure to slow it down on your listening device. Important announcement I wanted to make sure you heard. Now let's get into the episode. You do not want to miss a second of this with Heather Mahoney. I'm going to say welcome, Heather. Thank you for being here on the Coachette Podcast. I am super excited to talk to you because um, I'm just going to brag on you really quickly before I have you introduce yourself and tell people who you are and what you do. But when I met you, this is the type of integrity that you operate with. I met you, we were supposed to have our first conversation. You had unfortunately been in a fender bender car accident. I don't know if fender bender is really the right word. It might be a little worse than that, but <laughs> you're in a car accident and you literally were at the scene of the car accident and kept our appointment to which I was late. Oh my goodness. But you were waiting for me to get on the phone so that you could tell me that you needed to reschedule. Who does that when they just had a car accident? Amazing. And then, then you rescheduled for the next day for us to meet. Who does that after being in a car accident? Only women who are amazing like you. And so I, oh, and then I met you. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> this, is gonna be, this is gonna be amazing. So you guys are in for a treat. I, I won't take up any more time with talking about how amazing you are. People are going to hear. So Heather, thank you for being here. Can you tell us who you are and what you do? Oh, first, thank you so much for allowing me to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. Heather Mahoney is, oh my God. I am a certified life coach, certified passion test facilitator for life and business. And I have one amazing son who's now out of the house in college. I have my business partner named Henley. He's with me. Henley travels, travels with me everywhere I go. Oh, and he is adorable. And I love life in every aspect. And I try to spread that joy to the people I meet in every way what's um, possible. And that's who I am. I just flow like a river. Flow like a river. Okay. And you've been flowing like a river as a life coach for how long? I have been officially as a life coach now for eight years. So yes. you've got longevity in the game because I do. Yeah, coaching the coaching world, the business coaching world, mm -hmm. or the world of coaching as a business is still fairly new, right? Like people have been doing it their whole lives, but um, as we know it, it's still probably 
fairly new. I'd probably say 20 years. Yeah, give take. Who knows? Yeah. There's something, but you know what? Officially, maybe about 20 years, but unofficially, I think it's been around since the beginning of time. Absolutely. And you know, we don't really know something until there's a name attached to it, and it's what we see. Mm -hmm. like, oh, oh my goodness, there it is. <laughs> That's a very good point. So, okay, so in the space of coaching, of of how we have, like you said, the name has been put to it um, in our time frame. You Eight years is a long time because a lot of coaches I meet are fairly new. Like we're three years, maybe five. But when you pass that five mark, like you're a veteran almost. So I'm curious, when you say life coaching, what brought you to decide to be a certified life coach? Like what, what was it that made you say, that's the area that I want to help people with? Well, what made, well, my background is human resources organization development. So therefore I was always in a little coaching mode in terms of the employee in the organization. Now, when I had my son and I almost died during childbirth and I came through that, it was like, oh, I don't want to do that anymore in terms of the corporate world. I didn't, it was a disconnect. I didn't believe in certain things in the corporate world and what I was doing. So I took a lot of time to not only recoup health-wise, but to mentally re reset my priorities. And I found a tool that allowed me to do that, which was the passion test. And the passion test, the first day I took it was, I found my top passion, which was watching my son grow up to be the man he was meant to be. Wow, that sounds really, really good. But what it turned out to be was a helicopter hovering around and that's not what I wanted. <laughs> you were a helicopter parent? I, I still am in some way, but I am proud of it. I love it. And it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It makes me happy. But I no longer want to watch him grow up. To, I do want to watch him grow up to be the man he was meant to be, but in a different way. I now find my joy in helping others to find their passions and what it is. And so that allows me to watch him grow up to be the man he was meant to be because the life coaching gives me all of this time to do the things that I want with him and then also satisfy my responsibilities as an adult. Mm. I love how you are utilizing something that you enjoy to create the life that you want. And, and great. yeah, but we all do that in some way. And it's like we said before, we don't know what life coaching is until it's, we're searching for it and we find it. And I was searching for an opportunity where I can get to enjoy my son. Like I said, I almost died during childbirth. And when I came through that health-wise, mental-wise and everything else, it was, I, I love this child and I wanna be there in every moment. And whatever, i.e., quote, sacrifices, and there's a, lots of story behind that, uh, whatever sacrifices I needed to make, I was going to do it so that I can get to be with him. Mm. And, uh, you know, working in HR and friends and family was, oh, Heather, uh, how would I do this? How would you do this? And, and it was just a natural pathway that led to the coaching piece to say, hey, may, maybe I can do this and get the time I really wanted to have in my life to do the things that I needed to do. Mm. Okay, so now I'm curious. How did you almost die in childbirth? Well, uh, my mom had diabetes, which is okay. Okay, thing. So my doctor and I were really vigilant about watching for um, signs of ingest ingestional diabetes. Okay, never occurred. Never had diabetes. But New Year's Eve, twenty oh four, twenty going to two thousand three, two thousand four. I had an air bubble that I couldn't pop. And it was for five or six days I had this air bubble and I couldn't pop it. And I was supposed to see my doctor 
uh, on January 6th. So I waited from New Year's Eve to January 6th with this air bubble. Uh, air bubble and, is in your lungs? No, it was just right here in the middle of my chest. Okay. And it, it was just like, I couldn't pop this thing no matter what. And um, I went to work on January 5th and I worked for a, an attorney at the time. And I kept saying to him, hey, we need to train someone to do the things that I do while I'm out on maternity. And he's like, yeah, yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. So January 5th, he got to it. <laughs> and... <laughs> And I said to him, okay, this is not really going to work, but that's okay. So the, <laughs> I, I stopped at the local drugstore on the way home and I took my blood pressure. Don't ask me why I took the blood pressure. And when I took the blood pressure, it was like 190 over um, 130. Totally ignored it. Not a big deal. Oh. And I came home and I couldn't sleep. I just couldn't sleep. I just sleep. So I got up at three o'clock in the morning and went to work. So your car accident was not a big deal. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> so I went to work at three o'clock in the morning and my appointment was at 830. And I, um, so I went to the doctor at 830 and the um, assistant took my blood pressure and she excused herself. And then he came in and he took my blood pressure two times. And then he says, Heather, can you do me a favor? And I'm like, yeah, I could do you a favor. He said, I want you to go to the hospital. I don't want you to stop anywhere. Not at the bank, not at the store, not at work. Just go to the hospital. Just do me that favor. And I'm like, yeah, okay, fine. So I went to the hospital and um, which I and I didn't want to go because I ended up waiting in the hospital and I just hate waiting. And I was waiting, waiting, waiting. And it was like one o'clock and I guess he called and I was hungry. So I went to eat. And I, when I came back at two, it's like, he was calling for you, blah, 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 et cetera. So anyway, they took my blood pressure and I don't think I've ever seen people move as quickly because mm. they, I was like, I was admitted. I was with doctor. <laughs> it was amazing. Oh my. And then, um, they said to me, oh, you're going to have the baby today. Mind you, I was seven months pregnant oh, wow. at the time. It's like, you're having the baby today. So I called the knowledge husband and told him that the doctor said I was having the baby and he didn't like my doctor. And I'm not supposed to use profanity here, so I'm not going to use it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but we can imagine. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, they admitted me. Um, and so long story at the end was I ended up having something called eclampsia with help, which where you were losing protein. So I had an emergency section. Um, the baby went to the NICU and I went to the ICU because I had, I was having seizures and stuff like that. And I, this is the best diet ever. So after I was released from the hospital, eventually, um, I came home and I, between 11 o'clock one night and seven o'clock the next morning, I lost 11 pounds. What? was part of that blood what is going on i i it was water retention and i would leave the restroom and i would turn around and go back and pee another gallon oh and God. i just kept doing that all night so imagine <clears throat> the kidney and the liver issues were so out of whack at the time but it you know when i look at the statistics like four percent of the people who end up having this particular condition survive it so a lot of them don't survive um, eclampsia health. So I was super lucky. I was super grateful, which is why I'm a helicopter to my son, because every day I feel so blessed that I get to watch him grow up to be whoever he was meant to be. And I am in appreciation to this day to say, thank you, God, for allowing me to be here. Oh my goodness. Thank God you he brought you through that. And like he said, 4%. So it makes complete sense why you're yeah. so grateful. What I really appreciate about that is you haven't forgotten. It's our human nature to go through stuff. And then the further away we get from it, sometimes we forget to have that appreciation, that gratefulness. There are some life altering moments and 
that may have been one of them. Um, but still the fact that even today he is a grown man and you still <laughs> are appreciative of that every day you get to be able to watch him grow up um, yeah. to the man that God intends for him to be. So that that is beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. But um, you mentioned it and so I was just, I was just curious. That's one of the things I love about being on podcast. That's what I want to. You don't have to answer, but <laughs> that's what I want to. So makes sense that you also, to me, that also helps me to understand a little bit maybe about how you also want to also help other people. Um, and so being moving into the life coaching space allows you to spend more time with him. But if you've been doing it for about eight years, and I know your son is in his 20, almost 20, no, he's, he's 19. 19. He's 19. 19. Remember that. Um, so you were working for a little bit during that first part, but then now for the last, you know, the lot of the teen years when, when parents really want to be available, people say, oh, you got to be there when they're young. Nah, yeah, you also got to be there when they, they have some freedom. They can go places so you can go find right. them. Right. <laughs> yes. But um, as you transitioned into this, because you've been doing, how long have you been doing life coaching full-time? Full-time really started after the ex-husband came in and said, hey, I filed for divorce. You'll be served next week. And okay, so it really at that point, because prior to that, maybe two or three years before I really wasn't working per, mm -hmm. se, um, per se, but it really got into high gear at that point because it was like, oh my goodness, I have a mortgage. He's in private school. How are you going to pay for that? <laughs> Great questions that people ask. Most people would have thought you would have just attempted to get a better paying job or get a promotion. Most people wouldn't have gone to push the business side of it. It, it. You know, I ask myself, whatever decisions I make today, I ask myself two questions. And the two questions are one, does it serve me? And the second question, does it take me closer to my goal? And if either one of those answers is no, then I can't do that particular item because it doesn't serve me nor does it take closer to my goal and it seems like two different questions but they are so vastly different and i had opportunities to get the regular steady paycheck and and i didn't and i'm grateful that i didn't because i really honestly did not want to go back into the corporate realm okay all right so i'm gonna dig a little bit here heather because i think this is helpful um to people who are who who are thinking exactly what you just said so I'm going to start with the basics. All right, you say this. I don't want to go back to the corporate world. How were you financially sustaining yourself? Did Was the ex-husband still paying for stuff until you got on your... Okay, she didn't laugh. Okay, so we're going to say no. Okay, so ex-husband, so we didn't have an outside source to assist. Did you have some kind of savings that you could sustain yourself? Or how were you supporting your lifestyle until your business started making money? Well, two things I did. Um, I pretty much cashed in my 401k. And I... I did that, made sure the mortgage was paid. And then I threw spaghetti at the wall. <laughs> I did. What does that even mean? <laughs> it was, I was going to do whatever it was going to take to make sure that I had one, I could pay the mortgage and two, that I could pay his tuition at school. Because those were, eventually I clarified that those were my priorities. Okay. That the mortgage gets paid and the tuition get paid. The tuition, um, the private school, they worked with me because he's been, he was there since he was three. And, you know, he was in the fifth grade at the time. So he was there a long time. And I was always cognizant and paying everything on time. And so they worked with me. And he I didn't finish paying for his tuition until eight months after he graduated from the school. Okay. <laughs> and, and it was fine. But the spaghetti was whatever I could do. I ended up starting uh, residential cleaning service. Again, which allowed me to be there mm -hmm. and I could work whatever hours that I wanted to do. But that's when I really found partnerships. And mm -hmm. that the one thing I, you know, my, I was born on the island of Jamaica 
And my mom always said, you are a single birth child. You don't need anyone else to help you with anything. So I learned not to ask questions or ask for help. Mm. And when the divorce happened or after the divorce, it was like, I struggled to find that voice in saying, hey, I need help. And I learned how to ask for help and I learned to prioritize. And I think one of the best things that ever happened to me was someone asked me, what was I'm going to excuse myself for one second because I need to show you what it is. Okay. For those of you all who are listening to audio, you will get to see this at some point on the YouTube channel when that comes out. That should be sometime in the summer of 2023. So you'll be able to see the visual. So you can't see this, but this is uh, just a white sheet of paper. And the question <laughs> on it was, how? Do, which I needed help with was, how do I know that my back was covered? Because during my marriage, I never felt that my back was covered. Okay. And so I struggled with that. And when I took the passion test or the second or third time, this question was asked of me. How do I know when my back is covered? Or how do I know when I had support? And I had to describe it where I could see it. And for me, it was people stopped their vehicles in the middle of the road and said, do you need help? And that was significant because another turning point in my life was my son and I at one time was taking a sofa out to curb, to the curb for pickup and a gentleman in a Nissan, whatever truck stopped as he was driving by and said, do you guys need help? And I screamed and ran into the house and I said, oh my God, this is it. This is it. This is it. Okay. I love the clarity. So, so it was an amazing feat because I learned that the more clear you are, the more things happen and the better you can write it out. I, here's a great example, GPS, you know, it tells you exactly when you get to the point. Mm -hmm. And so when you are clear, not only in your mind, but on paper where you can see it, it's so much easier to get there. And, and, and that's what I learned during the process of, of throwing spaghetti at the wall, that the spaghetti, there's so many noodles in the bowl, you can't find clarity. But when you pick one string out, you find clarity. Mm -hmm. And so as I was doing a lot of the coaching and the advice, because it wasn't really coaching, it was advice mm -hmm. for free, I learned that, hey, you can get paid for that in, when you get clear and help others to get clear too. Okay. All right. So you cashed in 401k, you started a cleaning business, um, and that was to pay the bills until the coaching started to pay for itself. And then you needed to get clear on what it was that you were coaching. But even still, life coaching is pretty broad. I mean, can you tell me what is life coaching? For me, life coaching is helping others to find clarity, i.e. find their patterns. We patterns. all, yes, Not we passion. all have patterns. Not pa passion just there, but when you find your passions, there's your patterns. The okay. basic foundation is your, we do the same thing day in, day out. We really do, but we are not conscious of what those are. And I needed to find my patterns after I found my passion, because I found my passion and they were so qualitative and passions are qualitative. Really? But when you get to the quantitative portion of it, the number pieces, it's about your patterns. Because if you can't understand why it is that you're doing something, it doesn't make sense. Hmm. Okay. So your patterns help you to understand the why. You know, it's like Simon Sinek, you start with why? Well, you start with your patterns. So then identifying, paying attention to, making note of, being aware of what it is that I'm doing day in, day out, or on a regular basis. 
right? Mm -hmm. And how that supports you in the passions that you have. I knew I love to help others to achieve their goals. Great. What does that mean? How do you do that? Well, it's like, oh, to achieve your goal, that's like, you know, I have a short-term memory and I love that now because it's like, oh, I can't remember what I did 10 minutes ago. <laughs> but okay. okay. but it, it, it helps me not to hold on to baggage. Mm. And so if you could take those little things that seems inconsequential and make them work for you, how amazing is that? That's mm. what a coach does. It helps you to identify those little things that you don't pay attention to, to achieve that goal. So you then went and got certified or you continued to give advice until you got some people who were paying you and then you went and got certified? How did that process I, I first got certified as a passion test facilitator for the individual. And then I went and got certified for the business portion of that, that helps corporation with their teams to find their passion as a whole. The, the passion portion for the business pays a lot more or you earn a lot more than doing one-on-one for the individual. And that allowed me to use the background in the HR organization development piece that I had for years to incorporate that into the business. So can you talk about that, Heather? Because businesses obviously have more capital than typically most people, right? And so your statement that, yes, businesses pay more than one-on-one typically completely makes sense. But I'm sure people struggle with, how do I even find a business who would be interested in what I'm doing and have to offer? And then how do I get my foot in the door? So first, how did you even come up with companies that you would even approach with what you had to offer? Well, I started with the companies, um, I work in HR, so I was networked with a lot of HR individual and trainers in my old life. Mm -hmm. And and I was president of a local networking organization that worked with trainers. So I knew a lot of people in that realm who needed and how to approach them to ask for help. Because salespeople would come to me in the HR field and try to sell me their services when I when I did that. So I just did the same thing and used the same principles that people used on me or I knew that companies needed. Okay. So what that's was, how I got my foot in the door. That's good. What were some of those techniques that people used on you that you then turned around and used? Well, you know, they would come with a little pamphlet like this and they, they tell you all the solutions and how it was going to help your people achieve more, i.e., better retention of the organization, uh, the employee feel more valued, increased productivity. And with those three characteristics or traits, most organizations are gonna say yes. How do you do that? What can, you know, because one, I have a challenge with employee retention that they don't stay in the organization, they leave, they're, they're gone in two or three years. Well, now the tenure of an employee with an organization is about one and a half to two years. It used to be three to five. It has dropped significantly. But every time you have to replace an employee in your organization, it costs you one and a half times their salary. That's a lot of money. I did not know that. That's good yes. information. Okay. That is a lot. So a 50,000 employee, it's going to cost you 75,000 to bring them on board and wow. to keep them. You know, so you spend, so you think, look at that over 10 employees and how much money you're spending. Now, if you can keep that employee for three, five years, not only the experience they have, but the cost saving and the increased product productivity as they get better in their individual job, you know, it's a no brainer. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I hope you all are listening because Heather is dropping some tea here for you to be able to approach businesses and what you need to know in order to approach them. Such good stuff. You see me over here taking notes. Okay. Uh, so you, so I love the N, HR, 
trainers as your entry point. Um, but as you were talking about increased productivity, that higher value, better retention. If you're a fairly new coach, Heather, um, did you have any statistics that you could show that, okay, the work that I'm going to do is going to help with this? Or how did you pitch that, pitch what you well, were going to bring? That it would always helps to have statistics for that particular industry. And like I said, look at your patterns because generally if you're not 19 or 20 starting your coaching practice generally so therefore you're normally coming out of an industry in some way you have a lot of expertise in that industry and you know what the pain points are so so once you identify the pain points okay here's the solution the solution is what is your unique contribution and what i mean by that what are you good at i.e your patterns and so when you identify your unique contribution, this is how Heather helps. Heather helps them by um, using my joy to spread my joy to others. I help them identify those patterns. I help them to model letting go and not being attached to the solution of the problem. I care and I'm in the present. I work in the present with them. Those are things that I bring to the table as my unique contribution. It's not the panacea or the cure-all for every company, but for those companies that want that, I'm the ideal partner to work with them to help them get there. Excellent. Okay. Then how did you structure your pricing or contract? What was your offer to these businesses? Initially, my offer was too low because, because I didn't have that confidence in me to say, hey, I'm charging $150 an hour. So mm -hmm. I came up with like, oh, 85. But here's the thing. You can say this is an introductory offer. You're my beta and this is a new offering that I'm offering. So today my price is at 85. Tomorrow it, it's, I'm at my regular rate at 150. Nice. Mm. You know, so you could always structure that. It's just how you language and language is so important. How you language things. It doesn't matter if you're new or experienced, you're still going to have doubts, but also look at, I don't know, for, for instance, I worked in legal hospitality and nonprofit. So those are where my expertise was. The insurance industry, for example, is not my realm. However, when the insur an insurance agency came calling, I could say, you know, this is not my typical industry. I will give you a discounted rate so I could get in the door in that industry and got there. Mm, okay, that makes sense. So you create the points where you're not, and they're not over expecting too much of you, but you're at the same time saying, okay, it's gonna take me a little bit longer. And always remember that when you give a quote for a, a, a seminar or workshop that you want to give, remember to include the time you take to prepare because we tend to forget that. It's like, no, mm -hmm. there's preparation time. Right. <laughs> there is travel time. There is the actual instruction time. And then there is always, you should always include time for you to go back and, and give an exit interview with them or have an exit interview with them so you can get feedback of what you did that was great, what you can do to be better in the next time. And that should be included. Oh, that's good. So that makes so much sense. Go back to the business, the people who hired you and ask, how did it go? What was You're not going to go back to them and ask. You're going to put it in your plan and say, here's the wrap-up interview. And this is where I come back to uh, a month later, three months later to see that the elements that we put in practice are being practiced. And it opens the door for you to go back and say, oh, you need stage two of this. Okay. I like it. You're setting yourself up to have the, the next level of the partnership. Absolutely. Okay. 
Okay, so I may be thinking about this wrong. So that's why I need to ask. With the presentations that you did specifically as you work with businesses, were they with, for example, the HR team and the people leaders, or was it with directly the employees that your skill set was meant to help? Both. Okay, break that down. Because you could have a training session with HR about what it is that they can do to improve their services to employees. Usually that's very small part of it, but generally your HR is your, your introductory into the organization of who you're going to train. So they bring you in to train their leaders, their employees, or whatever it is that they want to be done. Um, they bring you in for that. Usually the HR, if they get together like in conferences and workshops, they're all HR and they're all there to get best practices on something. You could do that. But generally my practice isn't necessarily geared to the HR. They are my onboarding partner to get to the organization. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, and then when you were pitching, and thank you for giving this detail, this is exactly what God meant when he put this platform together, because the details that you're giving are exactly what coaches need to hear who want to get into, how do I approach businesses? How do I build a relationship with businesses to build that portion of my coaching business? So thank you for your transparency. Okay, so when you um, when you pitched to the businesses and you were doing both, so HR and then also the people, were you doing just initially just one presentation or was your original pitch like three different times that you would come in, including the exit interview? What was your initial it depends on what you, how you pitch and what it is, because you may pitch a one-off and mm -hmm. that you deal with the employees in one way. You go back to do the exit with the HR team to find out. The one-off with the employees, for example, you always want to bring with you a feedback sheet, maybe three to five questions of asking them what it was like, what did they learn, their takeaway, how can they implement? So that's a real good thing. Would you have them back? So you use that survey that you get from the employees when you go back to the HR person or the decision maker is a better word to say, you know, these are the what employees are looking for in the future. Now I can structure another program that takes them to the next level of whatever it is that they want. Okay. And, you know, so, you know, the number one thing that employees want, and if you're an employee, you know this, in your organization, you want to learn. Mm -hmm. And that's so important that HR give that to you in some capacity, whether it's to go to a conference, go to a workshop, or they bring it in-house. It's so cheaper, much cheaper to bring it in-house. And that's your selling point. So you use statistics that you get from Google, and you look up HR statistics or HR passions, and you find it out there in Google. It's so easy to find all of those statistics that you need, whatever industry that you are that that you want to focus on. I'm not saying to focus on law, legal, or nonprofit. And you know, nonprofit is easy because nonprofit, they don't pay a lot, but oh my goodness, do they train a lot? <laughs> Sounds a good end. A good way to get exposure and build relationships. Love it. <laughs> exactly. So so you find the statistics for again, you identify that industry, that organization's pain point. Mm -hmm. And if you're coming out of that particular industry, you know the frustration that you had. That is the same pain point that they're having too. Got it. Okay, Heather, that makes that makes so much sense. Okay, so you have you have gifted us with how do you get into the businesses? And again, that little T, nonprofits, ton of training, great opportunity space, right? Um, that yeah. I, again, if you could see my notes over here, so. Now you were doing business and one-on-one -on -one clients. Um, which one was heavier for you initially? Initially, the one-on-one -on -one was heavier. The um, the business wasn't. Now I focus a lot more on business mm -hmm. than I do in one-on-ones. 
because one, the time, the time needed to pitch the business, work the business, and it is really important. And, you know, what I can make in a business workshop in one day may take me five, six clients to get there. Mm. And, and that's and when I say one day, I'm looking at, say, a, a half day workshop, which will probably take you three, four hours to prepare, um, deliver the workshop and get feedback. And you can make like, you know, crazy example, depend maybe two grand for the half day workshop, depending on what it is that you do, because you're not teaching one person in that workshop. It's usually maybe 10, 12, 15 people don't go beyond. And if you go beyond say 20, 25 people and um, always have an assistant. And by the way, you pay, you get paid for that assistant too, because you bill for that person. Oh, okay. Okay. Makes sense. Okay. You include that in your, in your pricing. Absolutely. Okay. Why do you need an assistant if it's a bigger crowd? Because um, there's more questions. There's more people in the room. And if you're doing a lot of um, breakout um, little work, you can't control a room of 20 by yourself. Mm -hmm. So you need somebody to say, oh, hand out the flyers or hand out the worksheets. So instead of you doing that, your job is to focus on the delivery of the content of your workshop and let the, your assistant do that. Mm, okay. All right, so I'm curious, Heather, you're a certified life coach. You work with people on their patterns to uh, help them. Right, their passions. Patterns. No, I identify their passions and I help them to clarify what their patterns are because we don't know. Generally, they don't know what their patterns are. I take the same route at the same time, have the same lunch, do the same thing. You know, right. Those are your patterns. You identify the pat help them identify the patterns to then help them what with the passions. Okay, so a little bit backwards. Yeah. The passion comes first. Okay. Right. Yeah. Identify, help you identify your top five passions. Yeah. And then from that, I help you to identify your markers to know when that passion is happening. And from that, I can help you to clarify what your patterns are because we're unconscious of the patterns. Sure. Okay. So how do you sell that to a business? Well, I sell it as a business passions that helps them to, that works in consistent with their mission. Totally different language. Okay because they have a mission of being the best that they can be to service their clients. And for them, the, pa the passions help them to reach their clients so that they can make more money in terms of that. The pattern piece is just something I discovered for me and for a lot of organizations that, hey, you know, another way to say patterns for business is like, here are your here are the routines that the, your modus operandi is what, what police use. Here are your MOs when you are doing your business. You know, you have a challenge area in that your employees show up 15 minutes late every day. Okay, you need to understand why they're showing up 15 minutes late every day. Because if you can solve that problem, guess what? You increase your productivity. If 10 people show up 15 minutes late every day, that's what? 10 times 15 is 150 minutes of lost productivity. What can you do in that? You know, if you say, oh my goodness, I spend $12 and buying bagels and put it in the break room and they show up. How easy is that? Right. You know, yeah. so that's a, an identified pattern. The pattern is that they're showing up late. The solution might be, hey, get some bagels, put some coffee in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's helpful because I think sometimes we as people struggle with thinking a little bit outside the box. Like I think going to businesses for some coaches would be, oh, they wouldn't need my services. Um, you know, if it doesn't immediately correlate, like um, I think a financial coach would think, oh, okay, absolutely. I can present to people. But a life coach may think, oh, I'm too broad. 
but the way that you put it completely makes sense and especially bringing in the mission statement of the company so that that's really helpful okay so you are heavier in business which i love the the practical business acumen of that <laughs> So, makes so much sense. Um, but now let's talk a little bit about your one-on-one clients. So okay. how did you find your one-on-one clients when you were building? And then how do you find them now? I still find my one-on-one the exact same way. And it's not through social media or anything like that. I find my one-on-one through referrals. Okay. But you got to start with somebody to get referred, right? Well, you remember all those free advice that I gave out in the past? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So here, here's what I did with respect to that. For the... For, Hey, I'll give you a free passion test if you refer me to 10 people. Okay. All right. So then if they refer you to 10 people, what are you telling them or asking them to say when they refer? Hey, I got this amazing result. I, I was able to identify my top five passion. I am living it today. And I think you can benefit too from um, working with her. They don't give pricing or anything like that, but right. I, I do that. But I get 10 new referrals that I can approach because it's so nice to say, Joyce recommended me to you yeah. and suggested that you could um, benefit from some of my services. Would you like to learn more? Absolutely. Love it. And so they give you, when you say refer 10 people to you, they give you, your client gives you their information and then you reach out. Right. Cause it's a warm lead. Okay. That's good. Okay. So let's talk about this real quick. Passion test. Mm-hmm. Heather, what's a passion test? Oh my God. <laughs> Y'all can see her. She's just, she's so giddy. She just loves it. She loves it. Tell, it. Tell us about it. The passion test I found when I was struggling to find out what do I want to do after I left HR? And I didn't know where, where, what, how, when, how. And I was sitting in a coffee shop in my local community and someone said to me, you ought to come to the passion test. And I said, oh, absolutely. Because I want, she had she was a, uh, an organization and they wanted to get into the organization. And I said, absolutely, I'm going to go. And I, I went and that's when I found out that my passion was watching my son grow up to be the man he was meant to be. And I came home, I was so excited, so giddy about knowing this. And it was my version of the iPhone because I thought the iPhone was better than sliced bread. <laughs> Apple got to you. They were marketing. It did. Work. Still, still Apple friendly. And... <laughs> But I was so excited. I wanted to learn more about this. And I think, you know, at the time, you know, Barnes and Barnes and Noble opened till like 11 o'clock. And I, I, I went there to find the book and I said, oh my God, and you could get me certified as a facilitator too. Oh, I can't afford this. Okay, let's deal with that. And I found out that don't worry about the money per se, worry about getting clear. Because when I got clear that the certified passion test facilitator was for me, how I paid for it became very easy. Really? Because at the time I said, I didn't have the money to do it. And what I learned later on in the passion test was don't worry about how, how am I going to get to California? Don't worry about that. Just know that California is your destination. And as you get more and more clear about California, you have choices. You could fly, you could drive. You could take um, the bus. There's so many different ways to get there if you don't worry about how, but you clarify the destination. And it was easy. It's like, oh, I got this credit card I could use. Bam. And I was able to, because it was like, oh my God, it's like $3,000. Oh, I can't afford that. Because that's the first thought that you say, I can't afford Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no. And then money-based decisions don't serve you. 
you know, the decisions from the heart serves you best. And that's the true fact. That's good. So I got certified to become a passion test facilitator. And it was the best decision I ever made because I really got clear and I really now focus and say, and again, those two questions, does it serve me? And does it take me closer to my goal? Because I have to answer yes to those. And I know when I am working with my passion, passions only feel right. When I'm working with the heart, it only feels right. My head is full of false beliefs, ideas, and concepts. So learn and speak with your heart and not from the head. Have you always dreamed of doing voiceover from home but have no idea how to get started? My name's Jesse Carroll and I put together the perfect course for you. It's called the Voiceover Jumpstart Course. It's a course that's designed to take you from knowing absolutely nothing about voiceover all the way to everything you need to know to be a working professional in only six weeks. So if you want more information, head over to jessicarrollcoaching.com and you can even book a one-on-one call with me if you want to find out if it's right for you. So thanks for listening to the Coach Up Podcast and hope to see you in the course. Okay. It's so interesting. You just said what you just said, because I literally just got off the um, a live interview with a coach and we were talking about your mind will lie to you to keep you comfortable and to keep you safe. And mm-hmm. so you, I, I like that you said, listen to your heart. What is, what is your heart telling you so that it can override our brain that's trying to allow us to just coast, be comfortable um, to provide that shift. Okay. so many directions I want to go, but I want to be respectful of your time. <laughs> okay. So let me go. Let me stay on the passion test. All right. So you took this passion test. You figured out what your passion was. When we talked, there was a question that you kept alluding to that I finally had to ask. I just wanted to know, Heather, what is the question? <laughs> and so you were kind enough to tell me, so I'm going to ask the same thing. Heather, I know the passion test is a test, but there's a question that I think kicks it off or, or starts. Can you, can you share what that question is that starts to help us probe into truly understanding, getting clarity on what our passions are? Absolutely, I'll share with you. When your life is ideal, what's happening? That's a question. Okay. When your life is ideal, mm-hmm. what's happening? What if it hasn't happened yet? Everything is in the present. Excuse me? Because everything is in the present because it's happening. It's just based on false beliefs, ideas, and concept in your head that said it's not. Oh, I'm going to need you to break that down. <laughs> Come on. I don't even understand. <laughs> I don't have a question to ask. Well, let me explain that. Okay. Your passion, your passions are in the present. They're not in the past. We tend to say, I ask you, when your life is ideal, what is happening, right? And we tend to say, I want to be a millionaire. We future it out. How about saying, I am a millionaire. I am living in a millionaire lifestyle and ask you, give me some examples of that. Okay, so I have no debt. Uh, well, what, uh, hold on for a moment. Okay. When you say, I have no debt, there's a couple of other things at the passion test and I won't say what they are right now, but I'll run about say, when you say no debt, where's your focus? On debt. There you go. Okay. So what do you look at when you say debt? Bills. Exactly. So you look how many bills you have, how many debts you are incurring, and you say, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed with debt. If we change our language to say, I am living in abundance, is there any debt there? No. Or at least not that. I shouldn't say bad debt, but okay. Debt, I don't want to pay. I want my mortgage. You focus on abundance. 
And, and then we create those markers that show abundance. You know, like I said, this was really important to me to know that my back is covered. Mm -hmm. Because when I did that, I didn't look at the negative. They were still there, but I always found a pathway to get to the positive. Like the route to California. Okay, so then it's the abundance. So it's, an, I am a millionaire. I have an abundance of money. So let's just take that for an example in the moment. So um, I am living a life of abundance, mm -hmm. right? So give me three examples how your life, how you're living your life in an abundance at, the, at this moment. Example one. I have, I have unrestricted available time to spend with family and friends. Okay, that's one. Number two. Unrestricted available time and courage to share Jesus Christ with people. Okay. They would be saved. And I have unlimited um, finances to support women who are in sex trafficking situations and need a place out, as well as to support other causes that are important to my heart, including the church. Okay. So I hear, and this is me from the passion test. Mm -hmm. I hear some patterns in there that what's most important to you is your time. I hear time. In all three of those, I heard time. Okay. And when I heard time, it was like, when I have time, I am living in joy when I get to help women, I get to spend time with family, and I get to live yeah. my spirituality. Mm -hmm. hmm. So when you, the next phase is that, you put a priority on those things. Okay. In so the when the priority is there, it's like you will choose, if you had a choice between going to the beach and helping women um, in situation that doesn't serve them, Oh, let me see here. I think women, um, helping women that don't serve them, that brings joy and a smile to their heart. Mm, okay. It changes my patterns because it changes my decisions. Exactly. Or you recognize that, you know, the pattern was that I used to choose things that didn't serve me, bring me joy. Because when I went to the beach, I felt a little bit guilty in the head. Mm -hmm. But when I'm serving my spiritual um, higher being or I'm serving women or I'm doing my podcast. Oh my God, I'm so happy right now. And that all comes because I have clarity on what my passion is. Absolutely. Because when you choose your um, choose from the heart, you're making the right decision and you don't feel any guilt about it. When you choose from the head, you feel guilt. I just had my own personal coaching session. Look, Heather, <laughs> That's so good because I, I, I appreciate how you said it, it gives priority because, and the, it's interesting you used the example you did, beach versus doing something that moves me in the direction of helping women or my family or sharing my, my faith because I love to go to the beach. Yet, I can think about that and say, yeah, from the head, I go to the beach because it's a place of relaxation. And um, I feel like if I'm ever going to vacation or do something, that's my ideal place. I get there's nothing wrong with that, but from the priority standpoint, I, in the long term and even in the immediate, would be happier doing something that I know ultimately is going to help move me closer to what brings me joy, the, the, the priority of helping women, sharing my faith, being with my family. So then it makes it easier to make that decision in real time to go back to the two questions that you ask yourself. Is this going to get me closer to my goal? And, and does it what, serve me? And does it serve me? Thank you for my coaching session. Okay. Oh, so good. Okay. I really feel like, and we're done. We're not. Oh, y'all got all of that. 
because that 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 just makes so much sense. So people need to this passion test. You facilitate this as part of your coaching. Okay, and so people would need to reach out and connect with you in order to go through this process. So is it a literal literal test or is it a process? Everything is a process. <laughs> you know, you're you're one of those HR background people that when you ask the question, is it this or this, and y'all say it depends. <laughs> okay, everything is a process. Yes, it's a process that saves you time, energy, and money once you allow your um yourself to identify your passions, and because it brings clarity and it saves you time because you're not distracted by other things it saves you energy because you get to put that fuel into what it is that you want and need and money because again you're not spending your money on other things that you don't really want you're spending your money on needs not necessarily and wants mm. okay and if we focus on what we truly want again as long as it is not hurting anybody it's moral ethical and legal then that will fulfill what we actually need yeah. Yeah. You know, because you you get to determine what you need. You know, it's not everything out there that you want. It was it was like, you know, I wrote a book um through my journey through the divorce and finding myself called Designing Your Life's Roadmap. And in there, um everything in the book starts with the letter P. Okay. So, All right. So so distraction for me in the book is a Porsche. Because I remember I have a million stories, but I remember when I was in the military. I, there's this guy that drove a 911 red Porsche. Oh my God, I thought he was Adonis. <laughs> but it was an absolute distraction. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <laughs> so you have to know what your distractions are, what your shiny objects in the roads are, because you need to be able to avoid them. And I believe when you understand and know what your passion is or your passions are, then you are able to eliminate distractions for things that don't serve you. That's good. Okay. Funny thing is, as you said, the guy in the in the Porsche was an Adonis. That is my brother's name. <laughs> and he is. He is an Adonis. He is very handsome and very witty. Just got to love him. Absolutely. He may be my Porsche now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good question. Okay, no. Um, <laughs> but that, that um, what you said makes complete sense, right? Our distractions pull us away from our passions. Okay. I could, I could go on forever, but I'm just, I'm so appreciative of my coaching session this morning. So Heather, we, we gonna transition because I don't think you can end it much better than that. We're gonna transition to the, before you go quick fire round questions Okay. that I ask all of my guests before we wrap up. So Heather, are you ready? Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. If you work from home, if you are a remote worker, if you're a business worker and you work from home and you sometimes just wish you could get together with other people who work from home, you just wish you could get out of your house and just be around other people who are working as dedicated and focused as you are, but you get to be in the space of other fellow remote workers, you want to join the Coffee Shop Coworkers Facebook group. We are connecting people all over the country in coffee shops where you can go for free meet other like-minded people to hang out, to work together, whether it's for two hours, whether it's for four hours, whether it's all day, but you get to connect with people like you who are working from home, who want to be around other people and still get work done and just create a new network. So come check out the Facebook page, join the Facebook page, Coffee Shop Coworkers today so we can start connecting you to fellow future coworkers. Heather, what one tool or app would you not do business without right now? 
my my business passions. That's my tool. Your business knowing my knowing my business passions is my tool that I use. Okay, I love it. Okay, what one tool do you use to collect payments from your clients? Zelle. Send it right to the bank account. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, <laughs> most effective method for you in finding and securing new clients? Word of mouth. Perfect. Y'all better use that <laughs> referral tip she gave you. Okay, one thing you do you attribute, excuse me, the most weight to in scaling your business to six figures? The one thing I do is being honest. Can't get better than that. All right, and then including yours, what one book or podcast would you recommend as a must to consume? My one podcast is, believe it or not, is, what did I, um, it's Akimbo by Seth Godin. And it's all about culture and organizations. Like I said, my background is organization development and culture. So when I listen to him in the podcast, I get little tips and, and little pathways I could use that would better help me to service my clients. Love that. Okay. And then tell us about your book again. My book is Designing Your Life's Roadmap. And it was when I was stuck in a fork in the road after my divorce and how I designed that road that le leads to my joy, my happiness and aligning my three voices. Disregarding the, the false beliefs, ideas, and concept of the head, listening to my heart, and making sure that it comes out authentically through my mouth. That's good, because what we speak is so important. Okay. I could, I could go off on a whole other tangent. I will not. Heather, this has been amazing. You have dropped so many gems, especially around how to build your business with businesses. And so I thank you for that. But I, more than that, I thank you just because you are just so great. You're just energy and your presence is so joyful. And it has been my pleasure. Please tell people how they can find you and connect with you. You can find me at roadmapheather.com or roadmapheather at gmail.com. So anything roadmap with my name, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> very, very easy. Heather, I am, again, appreciative of you being on the Coach Up Podcast. This has been a joy today. All right, thank you so much. Totally an appreciation. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Coach Up Podcast. Such a great conversation with Heather Mahoney from everything that we talked about concerning how to get connected with businesses, the different money that you can charge businesses versus clients, and the impact that can have on growing your revenue to so important, our passions versus our patterns. And so I hope you got so much out of this conversation, so much so that you will share this, that you will send this to a friend, that you will encourage another entrepreneur by sharing this podcast. It would be so great to have you share it so that we can grow and more people can learn how to grow their coaching business to that six and seven figures that so many want. Remember to connect with Heather. The ways to connect with her are in the show notes. And again, connect with us by leaving a review. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, leave us a review, share it with someone else, and come back for the next episode of the Coach Up Podcast. Mm -hmm.